good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Hi, everybody. We are back. Today is March 7th. 2021. Can you believe it's already March? It's crazy. I don't even, I can't even believe that. But we have been gone for a little bit of time. And um, sorry about that delay, but we've had a lot of things happening, including the big snow beginning here in Texas. But everyone is and a major milestone birthday. Yeah. I'm, oh my gosh. Since we last were able to talk, um, happy birthday, Suzanne. Happy birthday, Jody, with, with a big birthday. It just happened. Um, my, and, my big one's okay. next year. <laughs> so it's mine. So hopefully we will get to reconvene um, once we all get vaccinated and everything falls into place and we can um, start re-recording in person. But as of right now, we are still coming to you virtually from all of our different areas. So since we have last talked, a lot has happened. Nick received his Lifetime uh, Achievement Award from Roland. We can start there. That was spectacular and deservedly so. Let's just list the things that we need to address when it comes to Mr. Nick Rhodes. (laughs) The Roland uh, Acknowledgement, the Caddy's Cafe, the Tiga interview that's like literally two hours long. I think that guy has a lot of time on his hands because he did that interview with uh, Red Red Ronnie earlier in the pandemic, which was also two hours long. So Nick's just got a lot of time to talk. But there's so much Instagram live, and he and he did Instagram live. That's right. So he's all over the place. Where John, we would see John a whole bunch in the summer, and now it's Nick. We see Nick all the time, and I kind of like that. That's awesome. The the season of Nick. It is the season of Nick. Achievement Award was that the yeah. first of them from Roland, and that was I thought that was a really special honor for him. And it was really neat if if people have had a chance to watch the video where all these different musicians and different industry people really just talked about how much they admired Nick and how Nick had influenced them so much. Um, some of them were kind of random, like Randy Jackson. He was like, "Hey, dog." Hungry like a wolf. It's like, dude, get the song right if you're gonna talk about it. But you know, please. I was like, oh my please. god, we're gonna get together. Hungry like a wolf. I'm like, come on now. It's the day. Yeah, but it was it was fun to hear to hear all those different people just so excited about Nick. Do y'all remember any other ones that really popped out to you? Probably yeah. Gary Newman. Yeah, yeah. Gary Newman. Your, your, um, your, your boy from the Foo Fighters, Jody. Mike Garson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia Moroder. Yeah, Georgia Moroder. And I keep the Bling Twins. Yeah, I keep forgetting the um, other guy. The the one from uh, the Late Show, uh, which oh, Jimmy Kimmel. Is. It was Jimmy Kimmel's keyboard player from the house band. Yeah, yeah he, he, he said he was too shy. Yeah, he was like, you've played our oh show goodness. and I was too shy to talk to you, <laughs> which was cute. Um, yeah, <laughs> he was you know, oh. a big fan and everything and waiting in line with me for like Seven Ragged Tiger or something like that. I can't remember, but he was like really, really, he was a big fan. 
so and it showed and I, I liked that that was and it was a nice little and so was the keyboardist from lady gaga and he's like i've yes. not met you but yeah. you know that was really cool and one of them i can't recall which one just talked about they were like of course we've learned so much and they talk about the industry stuff about you know all these different terms of playing the keys but then one of the people was like and you made keyboardists like actually cool like and that was neat because they kind of said you know not only were you like hidden behind the keys you know people could aspire to play the keyboards because they saw how well you could do it i wrote down a bunch of things where roland products had uh, where nick has indicated where roland products is obviously kind of guided what he does the first one he used was a jupiter 4 and all of the things that i've been listening to lately he talks about um how came up with the sounds in Girl Lump Film and Planet Earth with that one. But then the Jupiter 8 came soon after, and he still uses his Jupiter 8. There's uh, a new one that combines analog and digital that he uses on the Paper Gods Tour. That's the JDYA, or the JDXA and the JDXI. He says it allows for two separate sound engines, one digital, one analog. And he just sounds so, like, geeky-dorky when he talks about that. And I love it. On stage, he uses his pre-recorded sounds and adds his own sounds in real time. And that's with that JDXXI, which sounds really cool. You can hear when he's on stage and playing his whole setup live that you can hear when he's uh, analog and you can hear the pre-recorded stuff, which I think is really cool. The Jupiter 4 is the opening sound of planet Earth. It's also the arpeggiator in the opening sound for Rio. And I think we talked about that last time we were chatting about this. The Jupiter 8 is also in Rio and Chauffeur and the sequence in Save Prayer, which is awesome too, because that was a turning point in that song. Uh, if you listen to DD40 on Pandora, they talk about how the came together in the studio. And that was one of them, Andy and Nick together. I've always been... When I hear that and I heard him say that, I just imagine him in the Rio, I'm sorry, Reflex video. He's standing up higher up on stage and he's got that, you know, that Roland right in front of him and you see the word Roland on the screen. And I mean, it, it, it's almost like it's been part of the band, even in my psyche all along. Like Nick not playing a Roland doesn't make sense to me. And I think he might feel the same way too. Jody, here's here's a, a quote from it. It says, "You often hear guitarists talking about the ultimate Les Paul or the 1959 Stratocaster that can't live without." Well, for me, that's always been the Jupiter Eight. These were the instruments that really formed the sound palette that I developed my creativity from. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and when you think can, about it, there's there's so there's just these iconic sounds, right? These iconic melodies, rhythms, or whatever that you just immediately know and you immediately associate it with your in brand. Yeah. And and there's so many, there's so many with the band itself. There's so many, there's just a lot of things where it's like, okay, we know it's Duran Duran and Nick's sound and his, what he's done. One of the people in the video talked about the chauffeur being almost a study in synthesizer, like, because that's such (laughs) Nick's song and, and how layered, I guess, how layered it is and what he could do with it in the early eighties before all of the technology that's come along. And something I loved in the video is that they kept playing the man who stole a leopard in the background, which to me is like continuation of the chauffeur. I love that song. And it's very much, you know, a very heavy Nick song as well. So I thought that was really cool that they acknowledge, especially the chauffeur, because we love that song so much. It's a kind of Well, and kind of like how other bass players always acknowledge John with, with Rio, even ones that don't like their music. They're like, that's the best 
bass line ever. It's great to hear other keyboard players like acknowledge the chauffeur because we know it's awesome, but to hear other people actually acknowledge it was really cool. Yeah. There is a follow-up to the chauffeur, and right now I cannot remember what which one. I'm confusing Matter of Feeling as a follow-up to Save a Prayer, which um, I never even thought of, but it's well, true. Was Seventh Stranger? Chauffeur, but is, I, is it Seventh Stranger? I always thought it would have been, because that's the heavy synth on Union of the Snake, but I don't I know. I've never heard them say it. Oh, I don't think so, but because that's not ringing a bell. But I'll have to think about that and address that again later. Because there is a follow-up to the chauffeur. I just can't remember what it is. I did learn "Man Who Saw a Leopard" wasn't written by Simon. The lyrics weren't written by Simon. Really? Well, it was mm-hmm. based, on, and it was based on a movie. A book a collector. No, it was a, a classic movie. A book. I thought it, I thought it was a book too. <laughs> it's like a book. book. Am I right? Like a, a case or like an actual. Uh, the the book is fictional, and it's about a guy who um, sort of imprisoned a woman, and he was a butterfly collector, and it kind of had to do with you know collecting things and keeping them, and he kept a woman. But this whole idea was that the woman then turned the story against. Like fought back more or less. So okay, I can't remember. I, my brain is fried. I can't remember the name of that one either. But like, I learned about that in my reading. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just thinking of Nick and Roland. I mean, Deanna, you were saying it. These sounds are iconic. And I've heard another. I read another interview recently with someone saying that Duran Duran wouldn't be Duran Duran without that sound. It's the keyboards that makes them what they are. And it wasn't even until Hungry Like the Wolf where Andy actually got some credit and that they, they start talking about that's the sound they intended to make was that guitar and keyboard kind of interweaving together. So Planet Earth being the first single and it's so driven by the synths, I think is, is significant. I mean, we wouldn't have our band without Roland Synthesizer. So thank you, Roland Synthesizer. And for acknowledging the controller. (laughs) He wouldn't be the controller without being behind that Roland. (laughs) So I I think we were going to continue on with Nick. There was the cafe and there was the interview with Tiga and Instagram Live. I missed Instagram Live. You guys remind me what happened in the Instagram Live. I missed that one as well. So he so, talked about when he went on the Instagram live, that was kind of after the Roland achievement, if I'm not mistaken. And that is when the five years um, video was actually released as a video. Yes. At that point, we'd actually, you know, we'd seen it, obviously, with the um, Bowie celebration. But then they actually, re- you know, released it as a video. And I think that's why he went um, on Instagram live and another enjoyable conversation with Mr. Rhodes. And it was so he was so cute because I remember him starting off. Uh, the Instagram live talking about, you know, sorry about the delay uh, because that was probably due to me and my technical difficulties. <laughs> but I thought he did really well and he was so cute and he had that cute little, um, I keep saying cute, uh, but I love the suit that <laughs> he had. Awesome. And he has a, and he has a star broke, the star broke, yes, one of his, one of their favorite words, awesome. He kept saying that, oh, that A word, the A word. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> They're very fond, quote unquote, of that word. <laughs> well, and then he kept getting confused because he was on Instagram Live. And then, in theory, JT was supposed to be on, on YouTube Live, but no one could find him after. Right. Luckily, we found Nick on Instagram Live. But then the people, 
there's a button on Instagram Live that says join the live thing. And Nick kept thinking that they were trying to join because all the people kept pressing that button. And then he's like, where are you? You're all in a room and I'm not there and all of this stuff. And he was a little discombobulated by it, but then he was like, he was like whatever. It seems like the live video request is in a parallel universe. Yes. And he's like, and so I keep getting, I keep getting and seeing requests for that. He's like, but I must admit, it's going to be very crowded, and everybody was wearing a mask and socially distanced. <laughs> yes, also funny. I do remember that now because he kept talking about these big thumbs. Yeah, everybody gave him a thumb up. Well, and and then he was in that room in his home where the ceiling looks like it's falling in, so everyone was getting distracted because <laughs> they could see the the beauty of decay, if you will. I mean, I'm sure yes. that is, is very much on purpose that Nick has that part right. of his home looking like that, but people were getting very is that distracted the one by where that he too. Said he kind of likes it that way. The I well, I just made that up. I just no, made that up, but what he said. okay. Well, that's what I think he would say if he didn't. But <laughs> you know, he has it like that on purpose. He's not yeah. just sitting in a room, that's right? With the ceiling. He said. Down. He said. He mentioned like the roof. He was like, "Oh yes, the roof. It's fine." He's like, "I occasionally get wet, but it's okay." Hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love his dry humor. He's, He's so, one of the yes. It's so awesome. <laughs> yes, he is one of the funniest people. You have the thing about Nick is that like I listen so intently when he's talking because he just slips in that humor and it's so seamless in that voice and it's just it's hilarious. I love it. It is so smart. And he doesn't it's like (laughs) you're just like laughing. Yes. I love it. I love it. Have, have you guys ever heard Nick lose it when he's laughing, like a belly laugh? Yes. If, if, I, haven't, if I haven't told you about the, the video with him and Wes Wilheimer and, and the two of them recording each other on tour during, I don't know, Medazzlam, Pop Trash or something. I don't remember when Wes died. But um, that is some of the funniest stuff. And it's Nick's humor, but Wes making him laugh to the point where he's nearly crying. It is one of the best things to watch because you just, you can't stop yourself from laughing because it's just, just the laughter is awesome. Yeah. So to hear, to know that on YouTube. Is so funny, I will see if I can find it for you guys who are with me and I will share it with you guys because yeah. it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I was just going to say he, at that point, we didn't kind of know all the specifics behind the video and how it all came together. So during that Instagram live, um, he talked about how it was directed by Gavin Elder and um, Scott Barber was involved and the uh, the virtual effects were by a person named Teak. Um, And so they used the green screen effects and that they weren't in the same, they weren't all together at all. How that virtual, I guess Teak kind of, I think he described it as like Teak came in and, and used her, her virtual paintbrush. She did. So when, when, you see, colors. when you see the wave kind of going around them, that's the layer yeah. she added in. Those pretty and blue waves. Yeah, the right? blue waves. And actually, like, I've played. the purples, right? Yeah. I've yeah. played with a video, I mean, I've played with a VR paintbrush before when I've had it. And literally, you're like kind of in the video and you have this thing and you can actually like paint these designs over the actual video 
footage. So that's best, that's what she did to kind of, I think that helped pull them together since they were shot on green screen separately and then layered together. Adding that effect over the top really kind of made it more cohesive. Yeah, I thought it was really pretty. And I, I, I don't know that I noticed it when I saw them live I guess, or when I saw the presentation with Mike Carson for the Bowie celebration. I don't remember that. Was that added after the fact? I think it was, but I mean, at that point, you know, like we touched on in the last episode, we were so like, you know, since they were first out of the gate, we were so happy and excited to see them, you know, that I don't know if we were, you know, uh, giving the background as much intent as we were as, you know, on them individually and how great they looked and analyzing the wardrobe and having all questions about that. So the shoes. And yeah, Tiger she, Baby, and we and Tiger Baby made an appearance. Yeah, yes. talk about that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, and then I yeah. love that Nick started answering questions. So, someone asked him about um, what's his favorite Duran Duran song, and he was like, "She loves you, but we didn't write that." <laughs> someone asked if you say something in Spanish, so we said "Away." <laughs> Several times. I think he kept saying it. Yes. (laughs) Wow. And and there's that A word again. Yeah, and the A word and just uh, he did he did say and and he did say that Mike Garson asked them to do five years. But I think that was the question is how they came Yes. why did they pick that? Which yeah, because he did not they did not pick uh, they did not choose that song. Mike Garson chose it for them. Yes. So at that point, we did not know that. So uh, Nick said, shed some light on that whole situation. Oh, I think it was fantastic. And I think they did an, an amazing job. Gosh. And then what else? We had Tiga, Nick's conversation with Tiga, which, as Jody mentioned, was a two-hour conversation. And it, where was that? I mean, where where can our listeners go find that? Is it on the internet? They can go to, I'm not sure, I don't know exactly if it's live, but if you go to Dran's Instagram page, okay. uh, then under their link in bio, it has that interview. Like scroll cool. down and it has that interview. And what did they talk about there? What were some of the, the highlights there? It first started off with, um, I, I wasn't familiar with, with Tiga, um, but he's like one of us is what it was, what we discovered. And he's, you know, he, um, he's like our age. So the things that he was saying, like oh, wow. in the beginning, um, absolutely made sense. He was saying that, you know, at nine years old, that was the only poster, um, that he had on his wall. <laughs> it was the Nick Riggs. <laughs> cool. so, yeah, but that was his guy. Like, you know, there's, there's icons and there's heroes. He's like, but when you have a poster on the wall, it's serious. And that totally made sense because yeah. the people that we chose to put on our wall, then that, then that means that that means something. So then what does it mean if you have your wall wallpaper? <laughs> if you have them on the ceiling. <laughs> and on the ceiling. What does it mean? What does it mean if you currently have Duran Duran Park posters on the door of your condo? Because I wish I was on the 80s cruise. <laughs> Yeah, because you were on the 80s cruise uh, <laughs> podcast or what have you. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are actually posted in my house right now. So I lost my connection, and I feel about, like I've, I'm yeah. catching up. But I think you guys are talking about the Tiga interview. Yeah, I was just telling the girls about um, how like we discovered that Tiga was like one of us, and that we weren't really familiar with him before. 
But right out of the gate, I was like, I like this guy a lot because he was just saying <laughs> all of these relatable things. Um, and Jody, you did a little bit more research to find that he was our age. And yeah. I was telling the girls that uh, he, you know, mentioned about when he was nine years old, Nick Rhodes was it. Like, he, that was the only per- poster that he had on the wall was a picture of Nick Rhodes. Yep. And you and I, before we even got started, were talking about how he, um, he mentioned in the interview that his parents and he would go to Goa, India for months at a time. That when he was nine and they were on their way to Goa, they had one stop. And that's where they had to get everything they needed to get because they were going to be so far away from civilization that um, it would be too difficult to get back into town to get all these things. So he picked the one of the, I think he said the first Duran Duran record on cassette. And that's what he listened to while, you know, away on vacation with his parents in Goa, India for four months straight. He said, I think I listened to this thing a thousand times. He also said he thought it was a, a bootleg. Because it was recorded so that the sound would go in and out and the volume would go up and down. But I thought that was pretty significant. Um, and, and just the, um, he, he, I, I made, I felt this connection with Tiga because he said the first thing he ever heard from Duran Duran was instant. Like he instantly connected to that. And I think in our own stories, we, have that same spark, that moment that we remember that this band was it for us. And um, I, for it to come from a, a dude, it's really cool to me. But for him to talk about having a poster, like he talked about, you know, you can have the, this love of music or love of a band or whatever, but when you have the poster on the wall, it's beyond love. You know, there's this admiration and it goes way deeper than just love. I was like, oh, this dude is cool. He also has worked with, yeah, okay, good. Um, He's also worked with Jake Shears and Scissor Sisters, which I think there's already a little bit of a Duran Duran connection there. The reason that I heard of him before, and I didn't even recognize it was him, but he did, not a disco cover, but kind of a remix cover of Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart that was kind of popular for a little while back in the early, mid-2000-ish. But he also remixed a Devils song, and I did not know that. So when Nick and um, Stephen Duffy did The Devils, it was back in, gosh, I don't even remember when they recorded and released that record, but um, that was years ago. So Tiga and Nick have kind of known each other and worked together for quite some time now. So when I when I realized that, I was like, oh, no wonder this interview was so personal because their relationship kind of goes back. And to have remixed a Devil's record, ah, how awesome is that? But, oh, oh, hey, they talked about Marauder, Giorgio Marauder. Stephanie, did you hear this part? I did, um, and okay. he was just talking about how lovely he is and exquisite, and he's very yes. Italian. <laughs> and that, they, that it ended up being like, you know, obviously the band has always wanted to work with them, but he was saying that when you listen to it, the tracks that he worked on, it's, you know, Georgia meets Durandrian, and it sounds like you would expect. It's how That's I how imagined it would sound. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So he talked about wanting to have done this for years, and it's, it's exactly how I imagined it would sound. That made my heart flutter a little bit. And I cannot yes, wait I, to hear this record. I cannot wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. So excited. They did also say something. And Stephanie, I don't know if you got this far, because I think you got to about 30 minutes and I got to about an hour. So I've got a little bit longer. It's a two-hour interview, and it's pretty in-depth. 
I've never bought an album with an album cover that I didn't like. Quote, unquote. No. <laughs> and they agreed. Tiga agreed. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh, right? And in my brain, I'm thinking of all the album covers that, you know, are maybe even iconic, but I, I probably wouldn't have bought the record because of that. They also said band names. If it's just a funky band name or typefaces or even, like, font. They kind of judge records based on covers and fonts. And then but Nick went on to describe funny. as like beige. He just doesn't want something to be beige. If it doesn't look like it's going to be interesting, then it's probably not interesting because they didn't put the effort into making it look interesting. So I thought that was pretty, pretty funny, actually. That's because it's so funny. Cause I, that's how I approach either looking <laughs> at like albums or, you know, bands or. Mm-hmm. I'm very visual that way too. Or mm-hmm. I, okay, wine. Like if I'm if I'm at the store trying to buy a bottle of wine, and you know I want to get something different, mm-hmm. I will gravitate towards the label that visually is appealing to me, and maybe I'll read it, but like I'll just I'll just grab it, and I don't know anything about it. I'm not. That's so cool that that he yeah. does that. <laughs> I can completely relate to that, not only with music but with in other areas too. Yeah. Well, that's the marketing in you, Dee. That's the marketing in you. That totally makes sense. It's a product, whatever. Like, it's just, I I always read the label. Like, if I get a new shampoo or whatever, I I read the the description or whatever. But, yeah. I I won't really go for something that... But isn't that, like, that all circles back and it all comes back together as to why we fell in love with Durant? Yes. Because, you know, we talked about this in the very... Yes. Yeah. And we... You know, we talked about this in the very first episode, and we've talked about it, you know, it's kind of been an underlying theme throughout about what drew us in to them. It's like nobody else looked like them, nobody else sounded like them, and as soon as we were exposed to it, it was like, who, what, when, where, how, why? And Mm -hmm. the first thing, I mean, and then we just started trying to absorb everything that we could get our hands on about these five people. Like, needed to know every single thing. But you know, one one thing to think about is the majority of their early albums had pictures of them on it, except for Rio. Rio is the most iconic album Mm -hmm. cover. I mean, we would all agree. I mean, even in in rock music, it's one of the most iconic album covers. But then when I'm thinking about the other early albums, they were almost always on the covers, which, of course, we love because they were also on our walls, our posters. Oh, that's a little food for thought. And we know they love that picture. does John have it now, or does Nick have it? I think they've talked about one of them got oh, it back from the Barrows. The Nagel? The painting. The Nagel. Oh, John, I think. I think John has it, yeah. Yeah, I think it was John. He mentioned it in the bass lessons, I think. Tiga asked Nick what was the first album he bought, and I think because of our, our um, very much exposure to Bowie uh, lately, and John and Nick both talking about it, Simon talking about their love of Bowie, I think we knew that um, the Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars was the first one Nick ever got, and it, he bought it with his own money, and he was 10 years old. And, but Tiga also asked him, is there any music or song that makes you, like, burst into tears or just gives you that, that kind of emotion where you actually cry? And Nick said classical music, and he mentioned specifically Chopin, which I think is interesting. But by name, he said Pale Blue Eyes by Lou Reed. And if you know that song at all, you know why. I mean, it is one of the sweetest, deepest, simplest songs. And I cry every time I hear it. And R.E.M. did a, a cover version of it that's on a record that was released in 1983. So I've been listening to this song 
since then. I missed the Velvet Underground or, or Lou Reed version first, but it's just beautiful. And for Nick to say that that affects him was kind of kind of sweet to me. And Nick, he kind of was somewhat vulnerable in this interview, and I was sad that I didn't get to finish it before having to get online. But um, it was it was a really good interview. The parts that I heard, and just knowing that he's actually I don't see that side of Nick. Don't you don't really think of Nick as this guy who's showing his emotion and he's talking about tearing up when he hears the song i love it i love it i love it i love it that's great and can we discuss um when because um tegan called nick you know i i see you as a renaissance man um which absolutely <laughs> makes sense and he you know was talking about um you know nick was talking about all of the uh, photos and how he's trying to he's been downloading and going through and trying to you know get them all together <laughs> and um can, <laughs> And he's here. His computer imploded, and he's like, "And my, and it committed suicide." <laughs> and that Nick actually went to a genius bar to get it to, to, to get it going again. And ever since I heard that, I cannot stop thinking about the visual. Like, what does that look like? Nick walked into the genius bar to get his computer fixed, and I'm like, and I think even Tika's like, "What does that look like? Like, what were you wearing?" And yeah. Like, probably something black with a hood, a mask, and sunglasses. And even Tiga, which was so relatable, he was like, "What does that even look like?" <laughs> like exactly. That's what that was. What was so hilarious. Tiga was hitting the hard hitting, you know, was asking yeah. the hard hitting questions. Right. What is what does that look like? What does it look like for Nick Rose to walk into a genius bar? And I'm like, exactly. Right. What to does that technical look like? Support. Yes. So so, but the question is, did they fix it? Did he get his pictures back? Did he say? Yes. It, I, I think he got fixed. So yeah. 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 I think he yeah, was sick. He, he said he still got 140,000 photos to keep sorting. He's still sorting all these photos. Yeah. He's not even working on them. He's just sorting them. He needs to back up to the cloud, and then he won't have to go into public <laughs> to get it fixed. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's just as old. I, I, I don't think that he's going to, like, I don't know if he's ever going to get it narrowed down, honestly, because he was talking about mm-hmm. it. Like, he, he takes pictures every week. He can automatically dump into a Google Drive. I mean, he can back it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, just in that same vein, just because I know of this, I have friends who work at Apple, and one of my friends who isn't there anymore was working customer service, and she was, she was on the team where um, people from across the ocean would call in. So she was working late at night or whatever, and one night, she answers the phone and it was Roger Taylor. And she called me the next day and she's like, You will not believe who I helped fix their Apple computer last night. What? She was all excited that Roger had called him and she helped him fix his computer. Roger Roger couldn't get one of his kids. Did he have like four kids in their twenties? They could fix yeah, it. I guess they didn't want to help him. Japanese photography 
And we might have talked about this before, but Nick mentioned that he, a couple of years ago, spent a few days in Tokyo and interviewed, uh, I think he said, 30 Japanese photographers in three days for a documentary that he's making, or at least started making. And Tiga asked him, okay, so who, as a Japanese photographer, should I get started with? Who should I look towards uh, as some of these fantastic photographers? And Nick said... Dido Moriyama. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been watching documentaries about Dido Moriyama. He is a fantastic photographer who takes photographs of people on the street. So they're gritty and they're 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 sometimes provocative and they're they're beautiful real life images of people living in Tokyo. And I was like, thank you, Nick, you just validated <laughs> my love of Japanese photography because that was awesome. So if you if you're interested in that at all, Daido Moriyama is pretty cool to um to check out as a Japanese photographer. I think we need to kind of wrap up this conversation. Obviously, we could talk all night about this Wait, we're just a conversation. So yeah. anything anything as we wrap up that anybody wants to share? I mean, we love Nick. We love his keys. Hold on, he's the he's the controller. <laughs> He said, okay, I'm just quickly going over the notes from the, the cafe. He's got a record coming out every solstice and equinox for the next four. Uh, four albums, 52 tracks that he's done with Wendy Bevan. They're going into the name of Astronomia. And uh, the first one comes out on March 20th. And it's abstract astronomy um, related to kind of ethereal, instrumental, orchestral, and some choral vocals with analog synths which to me sounds like something my husband would love. He called Duran Duran 15 the sum total of what Duran Duran is, which makes me want to hear it even more. And especially since we were talking about Giorgio Moroder already and how excited we are about that. As for releasing music, he said, we hope to put it out this year, maybe a single in April or May. And then he followed that up a little bit later with, we've been talking about how we want to do this. Maybe we put something out in April and then maybe again a little bit later. And then the album might land around September. So as of right now, he doesn't want to sit on it, he said, which I was like, Dave Grohl said the same thing. We can't sit on this music. We don't care what it takes to promo it right now. We can't tour on it anyway. Let's just make people happy. And I think that Duran Duran is at that point finally. So it might take yes, September to so. thing, but we'll have new music by April. I think. I think. Yes, because the album is done. It's officially done. Yes. Um, uh, he and, said that um, some, some lyrics on um, the Marauder song. I thought he, I, but I thought then it was, um, I thought he I heard said, something else, but maybe I'm listening to something else. I feel like on Instagram Live, he said Simon was in the studio that day working on the murder. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. So, he did, but, he did, but, the last the, but the cafe came out after the fact, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it came out on February 24th. Okay, here's something silly that I just noted. While I was listening to it, I was sitting outside. I was away from my house, you know, and I was just out there chilling. And I'm listening to them talk to each other. And then I heard a flush. <laughs> Somewhere in one of their their environment, there was there was a flush. Huh. <laughs> not a whoosh. Not a whoosh, <laughs> but a flush. Keeping it real. That's right. <laughs> I have a feeling it wasn't indicative of the times that we are living in. Yeah, the pandemic time. I mean, I mean, Nick did have to go to the Genius Bar, so he has to. <laughs> Human thing. 
Right. Oh my God. Wait, before we do, we before we end this, there was one other thing that I, I just, I was, I had my headphones on. The neighbors are out in their yard next door and I busted out laughing when Nick is talking about what they, what he's been working on. He released two books, Bay Incubi and um, the collage book, um, Collapse in, Sym- in Sym- is it Collapse into Symphony or Collapse in Symphony? And He's talking about, um, well, you know, I am the one who does the literary things, and Simon is the nose of the band because he's been doing the candles and the perfume, and I bought it out laughing. The nose of the band? What? <laughs> you know, he's always been a little funky about his nose. So for Nick to see him like that, I just thought that was great. He's the nose of the band. He has he has a very unusual nose because I did get to smell all four fragrances. <laughs> and Skin Divers, the one I purchased, was my favorite. The other three were quite unusual. So, I mean, he does not have a boring nose by any means. But yeah. he has a very interesting sense of smell. And I've not smelled the candles yet, but um, I'm afraid. <laughs> after your description <laughs> of those perfumes, I'm afraid. Well, after you read Simon's description, the way he sets them up, like it's, it's in a, a wolf's den and all of this stuff. You're like, okay, yeah, I can smell that wolf's den. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to smell like a wolf's den, just say. <laughs> Very good. Like a wolf's den or like the dangerous. wolf's den? Yeah, it's got to well, be the... Yeah. yeah. No, that's the song, <laughs> Randy. Unless you're Randy, Randy Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> yes. It's <all> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and you can even find us if you ask Alexa. Make sure to also follow our Instagram page too. See you again real soon.